Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. It's so good to be here with all of you today and in person and online. And um, I just want to introduce myself real quick in case not everyone knows who I am. I'm Pastor Grace, the children's pastor here at Emmaus. So today, there's going to be a puppet show. I'm just kidding. I don't like puppets. They're bugs can hide in them, you know? Okay. So if you're an e-kid, you can go ahead and get your e-kids bulletin in front of you if you haven't already. And um, if you listen during the sermon, you'll find some answers to some of the questions and drawing prompts that you'll have in in that bulletin. Now, have you guys ever encountered a disastrous situation? Uh, Like, maybe uh, you walked into your bedroom that you share with your sister, and you've discovered that the floor is covered in Polly Pocket toys, dirty laundry, and the bed isn't made. I don't think that's from personal experience, but it is. Um, Or maybe you have a junk drawer that's full to the brim, and you have no idea what's in there really, but you look for things and try to find things and you can't find them. And then the next time you look for something else, you find what you were looking for the last time. Or maybe you had a storm recently and trees are down and shingles are everywhere and the roads are flooded and everything is a mess and there is damage. Messes can feel overwhelming, disruptive, chaotic, and cause pain. Now think about how good it feels after the mess has been picked up. You guys are going to get like a real good look into my psyche this morning here. So you got to clean it all up and then you see and you're like, oh, I can breathe again. And there's vacuum lines and it smells like the floor cleaner. It smells so fresh and everything's clean and you take a shower and you feel clean and everything's clean and it's great. All right. And everything is in order. It's such a good feeling. The summer after my freshman year of college, I did an internship at my dad's place of work. And I was in a department called document control. Well, the documents were out of control. And they put me in charge of organizing it. And now you may think, oh, that's appalling that they would make an underage or an underpaid intern do all this work and her dad is a distinguished longtime employee, but I was the perfect person for the job. I walked in, and there's this huge mess. Like, it's a library of 3,100 binders that I had to organize, okay? And they were everywhere in this room, and the room was probably like half the size of the sanctuary. I know that doesn't help you online because you're not in here and can't see it, but it was big. And so they were everywhere, buried in boxes, like, You had no way of knowing if somebody had taken one of the binders to their office for the day. Like, just everything was all over. Shelves were empty. I don't know why, but they were. And everything was out of order. You couldn't find anything. So in three weeks, I organized that library to be perfect. It was, everything was labeled and in order, all the binders. And then the shelves were labeled so that you knew what went where. And then there was a sheet when you walked in so you could look up what, what binder you're looking for. And then you could go pick it out because the shelves were labeled and you could figure out where it was. Yeah. And it was great. It was really good. I wish I took a picture. It was like beautiful work of art. 
happen instead of having to like wade through the disorder of the binders while the FDA is tapping its toes waiting for that crucial information, they could just get it in a snap and bring it right back down and be really impressive. So today, our Bible story is not about a weirdo who loves to organize things, but about a man whose life was in painful chaos and Jesus brought peace and order and restoration to him. So let's open our Bibles to Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. I will read it to you so you can listen if that's what you want to do, or you can read along in your own Bible, or it will be also on the screens. Jesus heals the Gerasene demoniac. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when he had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with a chain. For he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke to pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you done? What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there on a hillside, a great herd of swine was feeding, and the unclean spirits begged him, send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The swineherds ran off and told it to the city and in the country. Then people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion, and they were afraid. Those who had, been, those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac said to the swine, and to the swine, reported it. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What a story, right? It brings up a lot of questions and thoughts, and we do not have time to cover all of that today. But I think if we read the beginning of Mark or know what goes on in the beginning of Mark, we can get a focus in, on what we should pay attention to as we seek to understand this story. Mark begins his book with an exciting story about John the Baptist. And John the Baptist announces that the kingdom of God is near. And as we think about the kingdom of God, what are some things that come to mind? Redemption, 
healing, peace, reconciliation, justice, love, liberation. We could go on and on. And in that intro, Mark gives this incredible amount of attention in his book to the miracles and healings of Jesus. And this reminds us that we should not only marvel at the miracles and healings that he does, but also to think about the big picture of the kingdom of God. Now, in this healing and miracle in particular, we have this man who has some really serious things happening to him. He is captive and tormented in more than one way. He's sick. He's violent, alienated, naked. Chaos and disorder have affected him, and that is also affecting his community in a negative way. And now we have demons? Uh, firstly, let's try to ignore the Hollywood portrayal of demons and demon possession, because yikes. Um, back in the day when this story occurred, it was common that any illness that was beyond their understanding um, was called a demon. So a few examples of this would be like epilepsy or a mental health disorder. So they didn't understand it, and probably the symptoms scared them sometimes. And so they came up with an explanation that helped help them understand and maybe help justify the way that they treated people who were dealing with these symptoms. So that might appear illogic and maybe barbaric to you or something like we could never do because 2,000 years later, we are morally superior and more knowledgeable about these things. But just to remind you, only 400 years ago were the witch trials in Massachusetts where an accusation of witchcraft could land you a death sentence and you could be accused of witchcraft for something like having uncontrollable body movements. And then even today, we still stigmatize and ostracize and criminalize mental health disorders and we don't give support where support is needed in that realm. Um, can you think of other ways we demonize what we don't understand? I can think of a lot of ways, but I'm not going to elaborate on that. But we might try to understand this concept of demon possession as a really serious example of the way that sin disrupts lives and peace and health and relationships and even an entire community. It brings chaos and disorder where there was once order and peace. So let's think back to our recent holiness series. We learned that if you were unclean, you could not go into the presence of God. Things that would make you unclean were things like pigs, uh, death and tombs, sickness. So like these are like the story is a jackpot of uncleanliness, right? Plus it's in Gentile territory. But as we learned a few weeks ago, we cannot make ourselves holy by following rules or living in the right area or having the correct nationality or believing the right things or saying the right prayers. God meets us where we are at, whether that's a sanctuary in your room at home or in something like a, a graveyard. God meets us where we are at and makes us holy. So when Jesus met this man and saw the disorder and the chaos and the sickness and the isolation and violence that tortured him. He healed him. 
He brought order to his chaos. He cast away the evil that this man suffered from, and it went into the pigs. And the pigs went into the sea. And we were probably like, what? What is going on? Like, why is this happening? But what we are seeing is Jesus defeating death and defeating evil. He is sending it into the ocean where it can no longer affect that man or anyone else. It, they were cast in the sea. Um, and Jesus defeated evil by putting what was wrong to be right. He did this also in his death and resurrection and also does it every day as he brings the kingdom of God and makes all things new. So when the crowd saw that the pigs went into the sea and saw that the man was free from his captivity and torture, their response was fear. Maybe they were afraid because they just saw 2,000 pigs, their property, their livelihood be destroyed. Maybe they thought, like, what's Jesus going to do next? Like, set our cornfield on fire or poison our cattle? They weren't sure. And it's like they didn't even notice their neighbor, who had been so sick and disruptive, was healed. His demons were gone. They certainly noticed when he was sick and tied him up several times for what reason, like, we can maybe assume to leave him to die. But instead of marveling at his healing, they were instead fearful and wanted Jesus to leave. Lamar Williamson Jr. writes in his commentary on Mark, the crowd's desire to be rid of Jesus, their discomfort in his presence, demonstrates that they too, in fact, are demon-possessed, subject to power or powers hostile to the kingdom of God. Oof, right? When I read that, I was like, Love of possessions is like a demon that holds us captive and torments us and is hostile to the kingdom of God. And this is something we need to confront today, just like they needed to confront that back when this story occurred. We might also think of other things that we are guilty of or need to be conscious of as we confront those things as well that are hostile to the kingdom of God. Perhaps this reminds us that the kingdom of God is often unexpected or upside down compared to the world. Or maybe the world is upside down and Jesus is turning it upright. Around Easter, when I was doing Ekid sermons live on Facebook, we talked a lot about how Jesus was so unexpected. He was born in a stable to poor parents. His family had to flee their home to keep him safe. He focused his attention on the marginalized people instead of the fancy, popular, perfect people. He ate with sinners, and when he entered Jerusalem, he did so on a donkey, an animal of peace, instead of what was expected, on a horse, an animal of war, proclaiming military victory. He even died, also unexpectedly, rose from the dead. Jesus was not what people expected in a Messiah, Maybe we could never have expected something that was so good and so whole and so healing. This should challenge even the most committed follower of Christ with the best intentions to examine ourselves and ask if what we are doing 
is embodying the kingdom of God or hostile to the kingdom of God. So early we thought, earlier we thought about words that are representative of the kingdom of God, like reconciliation, love, peace. How can you embody these things in the world? The man in our story wanted to leave his community and go with Jesus. That makes sense, right? His community neglected him and still didn't seem to notice him. And Jesus was pretty awesome, right? But Jesus commissioned him to stay and tell his community about what God had done. And his community was amazed. His healing caused them fear. But when he told the people about it, it amazed them. And I'm not really sure how to explain that or what to do with that. Maybe they doubted his healing. Or maybe the talk about it and hearing him talk and be in his right mind was what helped them confirm his healing. Or maybe they just really didn't pay enough attention to notice the difference in him before. In the book of Mark, this man was the first person to take the good news of Jesus to the Gentiles. It's a big and important task. At the beginning of the story, this man was tormented and captive, violent, sick, alienated, chaos and disorder ruled over him and over his community. He was in pain, naked, and lived among the tombs. But after encountering Jesus, he was freed from his captivity and pain. A man who was once in chaos was now in order. He had been upside down, but then he was right side up. I'm going to read a section of lyrics from my friend's band, and it's a beautiful description about what this man was thinking when he was healed. And the song is called Legion, and it's about this Bible story on their album, The Way We Should Have Been by Families. And they're on Bandcamp if you want to listen to it later. When the people came, I was sitting there. I was fully clothed in the clothes they wear. I was sitting still. I was looking up. I was listening to the Son of God. I had a clever mind. I could form real thoughts, could control my tongue, and lay down all my faults. And I begged you, please, can I go with you? But you said go home and tell what God can do. And I just think that's a beautiful understanding of like the difference that being still and not feeling so tortured inside and the peace that that brought this man. He was a man who was in such painful chaos and Jesus brought peace, order, and restoration to him and then it extended into his community. And think about how it not only affected his relationship to the people in his community, but also how other forms of healing started happening and other things that we associate with the kingdom of God started happening in the community as well. The world is in chaos and disorder, like a library full of 3,100 binders that are just laying all over the floor or like a trampled garden after a hailstorm, or like your house during a pandemic. And chaos is kind of a gentle way to describe the influence of evil. But the good news 
that we can hold on to and celebrate and live out is that the kingdom of God is near and God is redeeming all things and that nothing and no one is beyond God's redemption.